Welcome to the Brian Buffini Show. Today we have Buffini and Company's master trainer, Jamie Nowak, taking over the host seat and continuing our exploration of the mindsets, motivation, and methodologies of success. Jamie has been on Brian's team for many years and brings an incredible amount of business and life experience to the podcast. I know you're going to enjoy her interview with our next guest. Well, thank you, David. Oh, I love when I have the honor and the opportunity to take over Brian's podcast, and even more so when I have an amazing person to talk to, and that is certainly the case today. I recently have had the pleasure of meeting our next guest, Mel Robbins, when she presented at Brian Buffini's Success Tour, and she made such an impact on the audience and me. I mean, she rocked the room. Mel is a best-selling author of The Five-Second Rule. She's a CNN anchor, a contributor to Success Magazine. Well, at the same time, she balances being a mom to three beautiful kids, a wife, a friend, a community member, and a real straight shooter. Mel, I am so glad you're here with us today. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you. I really appreciate it. We're glad you're here. Now, I want to get into the five-second rule and some other lessons you've taught quickly, but at first, I want to kind of step back for a minute. Can you give us just a quick picture of young Mel? You grew up in North Muskegon, Michigan. What was your childhood like, and have there been any big lessons or experiences that you had then that shaped you and helped you navigate to get to where you are today? Wow. Big question. What an opening question. Right? Let's just get right to it. Get right at it. Well, I'm really proud to be from Western Michigan. I grew up in a teeny tiny little town. I had an incredible childhood. I mean, my parents both came from very humble beginnings. My mom is the daughter of farmers. My dad is the son of Austrian immigrants who owned a bakery. And so Mm. I think owning your own business, hard work and kitchen table wisdom is in my DNA. And my dad went to medical school. My mother worked nights at the IRS to support our family as my dad was going through medical school. She also had me when she was just 19. Wow. And so I think one of the things that also I absorbed is watching a partnership between a couple Mm. rather than traditional gender roles. You know what I mean? Like my mom did stay home for periods of my life, which I'm certainly grateful to have had her full-time support. But for a lot of the periods of my life, I saw her working nights in order to support my father. I saw them tag teaming the dishes. I saw Mm. my mom When I was in middle school, she had that moment that I think everybody listening has had, which is, where is my life going and what am I doing with it? Mm -hmm. And so she went and opened a store because she didn't just want to have her, her life defined by raising her kids. And so, you know, when I think back, I am extremely fortunate. I had two parents that worked hard, that loved each other, that also argued in front of us. Yes. And resolved those issues in front of us. I think a lot of people that I talk to that end up having trouble expressing themselves or end up having relationship problems grew up in a household where, you know, the parents were silent with each other. Mm -hmm. And if you have parents that fight in front of you and resolve in front of you, not like physically fight, obviously, but, you know, constructively argue over things and then resolve it, you have 10 times more likelihood to have a successful and happy marriage in your own life. And so I just got lucky. I mean, I also had a bunch of stuff go down, too. I mean, I was sexually abused by an older kid when I was in fourth grade. 
a experience that it's going to sound weird when I say this. It wasn't all oh. that traumatic. It was confusing oh when it gosh. happened. I'm sure but it was. It certainly shaped me because it was something that I was scared to tell my parents. And so it was a moment in my life where I started lying and I started hiding information and I started being worried about disappointing people. And so it was a secret that I hid for a very long time. And that was also something that had a material impact on my childhood, my young adulthood. And it's also why I'm such a vehement advocate for supporting people in speaking their truth and finding the courage to have the difficult conversations in being able to own your story in terms of what happened to you and how that has shaped you, good or bad, because it's only in owning those things, good and bad, that you can actually turn the page and use them rather mm -hmm. than being used by them. Right. So instead of staying the victim, you take your yeah. power and move forward. Totally. Wow. And you remain a victim if you're silent about things. Yes. And so one of the most powerful things that you can do is own what happened to you. And a lot of us are embarrassed by what happened to us or ashamed by what happened to us. And I'm very clear that in the transformations that we've seen personally happen in the folks that follow us, it's people who are able to fully embrace the good, the bad, the ugly, and acknowledge what happened, and then they have the power to stand on top of it and move forward and make different decisions. But mm. when you don't talk about it, it drives you at subconscious and unconscious levels that none of us are even really aware of until we start talking about these things. Right, and it grows, and it gets to be mm -hmm. a bigger demon, right? Totally. If uh -huh. we don't speak it, if we don't let it out. So, wow, you had an amazing upbringing, witnessing hard work, dedication, that entrepreneurial spirit that everybody listening to this podcast certainly has. But you've also had your share of the bumps and the bruises and the situations along the way where you've had to stand up and be brave. Yeah. And it took you a while to get there. So we're all on a different journey, of course. It really did. And you know what else took me a long time? is to figure out what the heck to do with my life. Uh. Like, I, I think I lived my 20s and 30s and even the beginning of my 40s in sort of a deep state of panic about what I was supposed to do with my life. And I jumped from one thing to the next. I mean, I was a criminal defense attorney working for legal aid in New York City straight out of law school. Then I went to a law firm, which I hated. Then I went to the startup scene in Boston in the late 90s, which... Mm. It was exciting and fun, but not really the right fit. And then I went into coaching, and then I went into the media business. And in the media business, I tried radio, and I tried television, and I tried a reality show, and then I tried satellite radio. And I, I mean, I, I literally have been exploring and figuring out what my next move is going to be, I feel like, for my entire adult life. Yes. And so, you know, it wasn't until... I really recently started combining all the things that really energize me that everything has started to fall into place. No doubt. And you said a couple of things there. I mean, you tried a lot of things yeah. early on. And I think that's a great thing because you were able to pick and choose the things that really lit you up. Yeah. And, you know, I'm the kind of person that I make my decisions 
using this tool that I call the energy gauge. Mm. And it's a tool that, let me see if I can explain it succinctly. It's kind of one of those things that until you start to monkey around with it, you know, yourself, yes, that you don't really get the power of it. But the way that it works is if you're facing any kind of decision, just ask yourself, does it energize or deplete me? Mm. And by energize, what I'm asking is, does the yes or the no expand possibility? Does it require you to bring your best self to the table? Mm. And if it does, it could be hard. It could be a long-term decision. It could be a scary decision. But if it does, the decision is yes, you need to do it. How you get the decision executed, if it's a complicated one, that's how you start to use your brain and problem solve. But you answer these questions truly with your heart and whether or not the decision that you're about to make is going to expand possibility for you. Now, the opposite side of the coin with this energy gauge is, does the decision deplete you? Mm. Does there a part of this decision that makes you edit yourself, that makes you feel insecure, that has you shrink? If the decision has those qualities to it, then the decision is absolutely not. And so I think what I was sorting out for 20 years is I would get into a situation, whether it was walking into a law firm after being, you know, in a courtroom as a public defender, and now I'm working as an associate in a law firm writing stuff. And in my body, Jamie, Mm. I would feel the shrinking happening. Mm -hmm. I could feel my energy level going from a natural state of energized or excited or happy to a like a pushing down, like you could feel the muffling, if you will, of my inner, you know, vibration, as weird of a word as that is. And so that's how I knew something's not right. Something's not right. And I didn't want to say I shouldn't work in a law firm because it's scary to think I made a mistake. And it's scary to think, how the heck am I going to get another job? But your body Mm. tells you whether you're in the right job, the right situation in terms of where you live, the right romantic relationship, the right working relationship, because the things that naturally expand you, the people that make you feel energized. I would imagine if you're working with a coach, you know, one of the Buffini coaches, there's a possibility expansion. There's a, you may be scared of your coach, but you still have this energized feeling when you talk with them because you know when you leave the call you're in action and you've shifted something. So I pay attention to the body stuff because for me, I would only quit when it finally became so unbearable to walk in there. Right. That's what a lot of people do. Yes. They just kind of stuff it down, stuff it down, stuff it down and do what they think they should do. Yes. Instead of what truly fires them up and allows them to bring their best self to the thing. So this kind of brings me to a question. This is fabulous. I hope everybody heard this. I hope you wrote it down. Does it energize you or does it deplete you? Listen to yourself. And something you said in your presentation at our success tour that I wrote down, it really resonated with me. I've been kind of thinking about it and chewing on it since you said it. You said, your inner wisdom is always with you and it's always guiding you. The question is, do you have the clarity to hear it and the courage to follow it? And so the question that goes along with that, when you're feeling this energy, first of all, how do we break through all the distractions 
that are everywhere today and the overwhelm right. of our overflowing, amazing plate of stuff that we have to do every day. How do we break through all that to get to that clarity, to actually listen to what you're talking about? Well, I want to go back to the example of walking into that law firm and feeling off. And so what I would suggest everybody do, if you really want to get into what I'm talking about in terms of tuning into your wisdom, to your intuition, to the unique perspective that only you carry throughout this world, Mm. you have to get into your body. And so I would go through tomorrow and I would simply do an audit. And I would notice from the moment you wake up to the moment you go to bed, what moments of the day do you feel the most present to possibility? You feel the most energized. Mm. What are those moments? Where are you? What are you doing? And who are you with? And once you go through that audit, it can be a little startling how many people you're around that actually deplete and drain you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the things that you're doing day to day at work or in your life that really shrink you and how few things there are that really feel like they're anchored in growth and expansion and possibility. Yeah. And so go and do that audit. And then there's a simple tweak. And that tweak is start trying to do less of the things that deplete you. If you have a team that you work with, delegate. If you can avoid doing those things, avoid them altogether. Because all the research shows, first of all, that we are better at things that we enjoy doing. Mm -hmm. And we tend to become masters at things that we're naturally good at because we enjoy doing them. And that's because our energy is aligned with doing them. And you feel expansive and you feel like a level of growth as you're doing them. And that could be as simple as gardening more. It could be that you really love the marketing side of the business. It could be that you love the referral side of the business. It could be that you love writing the notes and the letters and working this, like you feel present to possibility when you're doing it. But the problem is you spend all day doing busy work that depletes you. Mm-hmm. And so the first thing is to do that kind of audit. Same thing with the people. So if you're around a lot of people that deplete you and you can't get away from them because they're your family or they're your <laughs> colleagues or whatever it may be, just be mindful of whether or not you allow your energy to get stirred by theirs. And so the best way to think about it is that, you know, we know that behavior is contagious. This Mm -hmm. isn't me just saying this. This is based on foundational research at Harvard University based on the longest study of human behavior. It's known as the Framingham Heart Study, where they looked at heart patients over the course of five decades. And what they found in studying the relationships and the health of these heart patients over five decades in Framingham, Massachusetts, is that people catch behavior from other people. So Mm. if you hang out with smokers, (laughs) you're more likely to smoke. Why? Because hanging out with people that do that, it lowers your objection and socializes you to doing that. If Uh you hang out with people that gossip, you're more likely to gossip. The positive attributes are also true. If you hang out with happy people, you're more likely to be happy. If you hang out with people who make more money than you and have great habits around success, so too are you likely to adopt those. Why? 
because monkey see, monkey do. That's right. The group of people we hang out with are the ones that you tend to absorb behaviors, beliefs, and habits from. And so if there are people in your life that deplete you after you do this one-day audit, you just want to be mindful. When I go into an interaction with so-and-so <laughs> who's always complaining or who is never happy about anything or, you know, is passive-aggressive, I'm going to armor up. Yep. I'm not taking the bait. I'm not letting their energy seep into mine because they're clearly miserable, and I don't want that misery to become my company. Right, and you don't need to dive into their drama. You shouldn't because their drama is the way they get you to engage and take the bait. Yep. So if, if you are around a complainer or somebody that sounds off or whatever, listen, put up your armor and be like, you know, well, is there anything I can help you with? Yeah, right. Don't engage. Don't question. Don't start gossiping. Just don't engage. Yeah. Let's move forward, right? A lot of powerful things you've said already in our short amount of time here. We have a lot of power here to decide where we want to be, where we want to invest our time, who we want to hang out with. And you're so right. By the way, you have all the power. You have all the power. That should light us all up today. We have all the power to make it happen. I love this audit. And I'm going to do this myself. I think this is an excellent tool. I hope everybody else does it as well. And I think this brings us nicely to, I mean, you've got a lot of wisdom you're sharing here, a lot of insight you're sharing here, but it's been through the fire that you've gotten this insight and where actually the five-second rule came from. So I would love to dive into that. What is this five-second rule that'll help us in the changes we need to make and why do we all need it? So the five-second rule acknowledges a fundamental fact about all of us, and that is that our minds have a job, and the job of your mind is to protect you, Hmm. to keep you safe, to make sure that you continue to breathe, and to make sure that you don't make any dumb decisions that could get you in trouble. (laughs) And that is fantastic. It's wonderful that we have a brain that does that. The problem is that our minds are terrified of change. Mm -hmm. And so that creates a problem. And the problem is that in order to grow, in order to make more money, in order to be happier, in order to evolve as our society evolves and technology evolves, you're going to have to change. And the only thing that is going to prevent you from changing is the way that your mind reacts to change whether it's a change in behavior or a change from what you're focused on to another one. And so what the five-second rule acknowledges is this truth that if you're facing a decision that requires you to do something outside your comfort zone or requires you to change, your mind will talk you out of it in five seconds. Mm. It's that simple. There's what I call the hesitation bubble. So if you see somebody that you want to walk up to, and talk about your business with, or you see a house as you're driving down the road and you just have this instinct that's saying, I bet that house is going to go on the market. (laughs) Maybe they're cleaning it up. Maybe three or four houses on the block have already gone, you know, and been listed in the last month. And you just have this tingly feeling. The hesitation bubble will start to blow up just like you blow up any bubble. And then within five seconds, it'll be so big, you won't do it. And so the way you pop that bubble is you count five, four, three, two, one, and then you move. 
So if you see that house and your instincts are going bananas and then you feel the hesitation bubble coming and you feel yourself going, yeah, well, what if they have a dog? And what if, you know, they think I'm weird? And what if they're not selling? And what if they're, you know, and blah, 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 blah. Yep. you'll keep driving. The list of excuses, the list of excuses Correct. that we all create that we're masterful at. Correct. But if you go five, four, three, two, one, this is the five second rule. You count backwards. Something interesting happens. The act of counting alone signals that you're not listening to the excuses because counting is not a form of thinking. Counting is an action. Yes. So you have this instinct about the house, about walking up, about knocking on the door. You feel the hesitation bubble and the list of excuses. The second you start counting backwards, I know something about you. You've made a decision to not listen to your excuses. So the first action that you take is counting. And then you pull over and you five, four, three, two, one, walk up to that house and knock on the door. And as you're standing there and you hear the footsteps and the hesitation bubble starts to blow up again. Please don't be home. Please don't be home. Please don't be home. Please don't be. (laughs) Five, four, three, two, one. You've just made another decision that you're not going to listen to it. And so that's the tool. And the other reason why it sounds simple and it's beautiful because it's so simple, but It works at a neurological level because what we know now that we've researched the rule and now that millions of people around the world are using it Mm -hmm. is that it operates at a much deeper level from a scientific perspective. What it's doing is it's acting as a starting ritual. If any of you have read Charles Duhigg's book about the power of habits or you study habits or you study, you know, performance habits, whatever, you'll know that starting rituals are required to interrupt bad habits and prompt you for a new one, a good one. And so when you count backwards, five, four, three, two, one, you're also using a starting ritual to interrupt the bad habit of listening to excuses, to interrupt the bad habit of listening to fears. Interrupting it and then hopefully saying, I'm going to do a new thing today. It's a risk. It's out of my comfort zone because most things that will help us grow and become our best selves are taking those risks and going out of that comfort zone. Not even most things. All of everything. them. Yeah. Growing means you're doing something different. Growing means you're leaving the comfort zone. You're leaving that comfort zone. You're hopefully interrupting that bad habit so that you can take a better habit moving forward. And you've said there's magic in that gap. That's where everything is. Because we can shut it down and move forward. That's brilliant. So many of our challenges are self-imposed. Obviously, most of them probably are. And people can look at this change is so hard, change is so hard. So the first step we take on getting out of our own way is interrupting that old excuse pattern so we can make a new way. That's true. And, you know, look, there are people that are listening to this that may have absolute, real, legitimate circumstances that are keeping them trapped. Mm -hmm. And the one thing that you can combat, like, for example, you can't combat that you are a felon, for example. That was the first thing that came to mind. Not that anybody listening is, but, you know, imagine making a major mistake when you were younger and you went to jail for it. Now you have a record and that follows you around like a dark cloud. Yes. And people have certain stories about you because of it. And there are certain limitations to what you can do, like voting or, you know, people that would hire you to do something or, you know, you're concerned about what people might 
think about you if they find out that this is something that happened in your past. And maybe they don't want to do business with you, even though it was several decades ago. You cannot change that. Mm-mm. So what you need to focus on is your own thinking pattern and your own thoughts about it that keep you in jail. And that is where every single human being has a 100% control mm-hmm. over what you're thinking. And so any transformation can begin with attacking the way that you think and talk to yourself. And if you feel like you're stuck or trapped, I recommend you start there. Mm-hmm. Actually, we had a great chat backstage at Success Tour where you were getting ready to go on stage and I was interviewing you in the broadcast. And I said, you know, do you get nervous? You're about to take the stage. A lot of people get nervous when they do or like for a lot of our clients, they have to go and and make a lead happen, you know, by lunchtime or dinner time today. We all need a great lead. And so often they don't want to do the things they know they need to do to connect with people, to get out of that comfort zone. And these things can make us fearful. They can make us nervous. They can start that excuse pattern and habit that we have. So you shared with me a technique that you use on how we can change that anxiety or that nervousness to a different feeling. Yeah, and it sounds really dumb, but please, um, (laughs) everybody use it and teach it to your kids because I didn't create this. The good folks at Harvard Medical School did. It's incredible. It works like a charm. Literally, all you do is say I'm excited. Instead of I'm freaking out, I'm I'm anxious, I'm nervous, you just say I'm excited for this next thing. I'm excited to take this test. I'm excited to walk up to the store and knock on the door. No, I don't want somebody not to be there. I'm excited for somebody to open the door. And ton of science behind this. The reason why that simple little intervention works is because if you start going in your own mind, I'm nervous, I'm nervous, I'm nervous, I'm nervous. If that is the thought pattern, what happens inside your body is your body starts to get even more agitated. Mm. So your body was already agitated because you're walking up the front walkway of a house that you think might soon be listed. You're going to knock on the door. You don't know who's going to answer the door. So your stomach's already kind of tingling. Mm-hmm. You might be sweating a little bit. The reason why your body does that is because your body knows it's going into a situation where it has to pay attention. And so your stomach starts to gurgle as you're standing on the front stoop, not because something's about to go wrong, but because your body doesn't need blood to digest food right now. It needs blood in your brain and in your heart and in your nervous system because your body needs to pay attention because you're about to have a conversation. But most of us feel our stomach gurgling and we think it means that it's an omen that, you know, Dracula is about to open the door. (laughs) No, your body knows that this is important. And so it's pulling blood away from your stomach because you don't need to digest food right now to have this conversation You need blood pumping through your veins, your heart, and your brain so you can pay attention. That's all that's happening. Yes. And so we make the mistake, though, of standing on the porch and our stomach starts to flip out and we start going, oh, my God, 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 this is a mistake. My stomach flipping out means there's a problem. And then when you start thinking and interpreting your stomach gurgling as a problem, your thoughts make your body feel even more agitated and needing to be on alert. Mm -hmm. Your thoughts 
are the problem. Mm. And so if you continue thinking Dracula is going to open the door or this is a mistake, your body will release cortisol, Mm. which is a stress hormone. Mm -hmm. And that cortisol will flood through your body and it will hit your prefrontal cortex. And the second that Dracula opens the door, (laughs) you will not remember what you were supposed to say because (laughs) the cortisol will have impacted your prefrontal cortex and your mind won't be able to recall. It won't be able to think clearly. You will have made it worse. If you conversely stand there and your stomach starts to gargle and your mind goes, oh my gosh, what if Dracula answers? Maybe I shouldn't do this. And then you go, I'm so excited. I'm so excited to see who opens the door. I'm so excited. I mean, imagine how cool it would be if they're actually thinking of listing the house. That would be great. I'm so excited. And something interesting happens. Your body actually believes you. Oh, imagine that. Imagine that. And so your stomach doesn't gurgle anymore and no cortisol hits your brain. And you stand there in the front doorstep. And Sue Ann opens the door. Yep. And you have a lovely conversation. And she either says yes or no. And you give her your card, and that's that. And you're stronger because of it. Yes. And you've also said, I'm excited. I'm excited to manipulate the situation. And because you survived it, when you get back in your car, you're a different person. Because you now have one more experience where you've proven to yourself that you can do it and that Dracula didn't answer the door. That's right. And so the next time that you go to get out of your car because your wisdom fires up and goes, I think that might be a house that's going on sale. And you go five, four, three, two, one to listen to it and take action. And you pull over and you go five, four, three, two, one to walk up that front stoop and you stand on that stoop and you go five, four, three, two, one and you knock on that door. And then as your stomach gurgles and you go, I'm pretty excited. Your mind's like, well, yeah, because last time it worked out pretty good. And so you become stronger because you're getting this physical evidence and experiences that are now part of your body wisdom. It's like the most powerful form of learning in the world. I've done it before. I can do it again. Yeah. Absolutely. We can overcome. So interestingly, what if I'm in front of that house and I'm feeling all those things? You taught us, you know, another big issue that a lot of us struggle with is the procrastination thing. I'll go buy the house later. You've said that's a form of stress relief. Walk us through that just for a minute. I'll do it later. I'll work out later. Yeah. The reason why you procrastinate is because you're stressed. It actually happened to me this morning. I literally broke every rule I talk about on stage. Oh, I love this. Thank you for sharing this. The alarm went off at 515. And I had wanted and planned on going to a yoga class at 545. And I had even texted my friend who's leading the class the night before. Hey, I'll see you in class tomorrow. So the alarm goes off and I immediately turn it off. I don't ever hit the snooze. I just turned it off. And I thought to myself, I don't feel like going. And then whenever I procrastinate, I ask myself this. What am I stressed about? Hmm. And the answer this morning for me is I was stressed because I'm flying to Nashville tonight to give a speech. Our two kids are out of school because today is a holiday. Mm -hmm. And one of them had a doctor's appointment. So all this stuff started running through my head about how am I going to get it all done? Right. 
And I realized the reason why I wasn't going to yoga this morning actually wasn't because I didn't feel like it. It was because I was stressed about all of the stuff that I need to do today in order to be able to walk on that plane at six o'clock tonight Mm -hmm. and be in the game. And what I realized is I don't want to go. And I don't want to be there till 6.45 and then drive home. And it's, and I started mapping it out. And I thought what I'm going to do is sleep for another sleep cycle, which is 75 minutes. And then I'm going to get up and do everything that I need to do. And it was fine. But at least I'm in control of it. You That's know what right. I mean? Because like, if I had woken up at 5.15 and there was no stress there, I probably would have been like, oh, I hate getting up. I hate going to yoga. This blows. Why did I invent this stupid rule anyway? <laughs> I know I'm going to be better off when I'm done exercising. All right. Love, love, love. Five, four, three, two, one. <laughs> I'm going to do it anyway. And then I get up, and by the time I have a cup of coffee and I'm walking down the stairs to the car, I will believe that I am Wonder Woman. Right. And I am the most powerful woman on the planet. But there was five minutes of hell <laughs> that I had to go through to metamorphose from sleeping to, okay, I'm sort of transformed and walking down the stairs. It's a process. It's a good one. Yes. And so anything you're procrastinating on, just ask yourself, what am I stressed about? Because the reason why you're blowing off hard things isn't because you can't do hard things. It's because your brain is so fried from the stress, it wants a break from having to do anything hard. Mm, Nice. Oh, and here's another thing. Here's another thing. Yeah. This thing changed my life. This changed my life. You ready? Yes. I want this. The other reason <laughs> the other reason why I knew I didn't have to go to yoga this morning is because yoga for me, as crazy as this sounds, it's not a workout. Like, come on, let's how many calories do you actually burn in a downward dog? No. Let's get honest. Yeah. Not that many. But you know, I'm fifty this year and I travel a lot and my body is much better when I get into a hot room and I force myself to stretch. Me too. Yoga is hard for me. I only enjoy it when it's over, but I do it probably three times a week because it's part of me taking care of my body and having the stamina to perform and create content the way that I do. But it's not exercise. Right. When I realized that I could, if I had five minutes, five minutes. So I used to think about finding an hour to exercise. Right. My whole life changed when I realized if I could find five minutes to just do, you know, 10 planks and hold them for as long as I can, and I take five minutes to do that, I will literally burn more calories than probably an entire yoga class for an hour. And I will also strengthen myself. If I can find 10 minutes and do one of those high-intensity app things and do some burpees in my hotel room, even though it blows... Like when you start to understand that you can probably change your body and your overall level of health by exercising 10 minutes a day and watching what you eat, your relationship to exercise and health and wellness will change. It's much more doable. Yeah. I can do five minutes. I can do five minutes. Yep. And almost every day I do, not when I go to yoga, but almost every day I'll do five minutes of planks, not at the same, you know, like I can't hold it for five minutes, but, you know, no. hold it for 20 seconds, rest, back at it, 20 seconds, rest, back at it, and then I'm done. 
throw a couple push-ups in, man, full body workout right there. That's right. And I love what you've shared because this doesn't just apply to our health and our bodies. It applies to our business. Well, that's why I thought about it because the thing is, is that if you were to just make one call a day, your business would change. Right. Five minutes. Maybe you can slip in two. Maybe you can write a few notes in five minutes. Maybe you can, you know, you pop by while you're out and about in your day. Five minutes. That changes everything. This five thing really is awesome, Mel. I'm loving this. Five seconds, five minutes. This is great. So you shared a couple of them as we were talking here. I know we got to wrap up here in just a minute because you have a million things to do. (laughs) You mentioned non-negotiables for your own life that ensure that you're at the top of your game. You're on planes a lot. You're traveling. Your mama, your wife, you're a business person, you're a leader. What are your non-negotiables to ensure that you can show up and be at your best? Well, I don't ever drink on an airplane. That's number one. Good tip. You know, I do what I say and I say what I do. I think that's a big one. The other non-negotiable is I really watch my tone at my house. Mm. Even just today, I was having a conversation with my husband and we were talking about something that we're marketing. And all of a sudden he says to me, watch your tone. Mm. And I was so angry when he said it too, because I hate being coached and corrected. (laughs) You know, so when he goes, watch your tone, don't you talk to me like that. Did you say five, four, three, two, one right there? No, I think I muttered (laughs) son of a under my, (laughs) I don't like being coached. I don't like being pointed out that I'm doing something wrong. I'm a human being. Yep. But I have a non-negotiable commitment with myself that my tone of voice not make people wrong mm. and not be intimidating. And the only people that I really talk like that to are my own team and my family mm-hmm. because we get very, it's easy to get loose with yourself when you're around the people that are closest to you. That's your safe place. Yeah. And so that's a non-negotiable for me. Another one is not blowing up at people. So, you know, it's it's weird because here I have this crappy tone of voice that can creep out when I'm uh, angry or on edge about something. But blowing up at people, it doesn't ever solve anything. Like we had our video team flying around the country shooting everything that we were doing for six months straight. Six months. I mean, imagine. You had a camera in your face for six months? Yeah, camera in my face for six months all the behind the scenes. And uh, a couple weeks ago, I turned to my business partner and say, oh, how did the footage from such and such turn out? And there was a pause. Uh-oh. And she said, well, I've been meaning to talk to you about that. No. The hard drive, everything it has been on was corrupted. You know, and I could feel the upset and the anger rising up. And I'm like, from the such and such page? And she's like, yep. And I said, anything else? And she's like, yep. And I said, like, what else? She's like, pretty much everything we've shot in the last six months. Oh. And I, my mind started spinning. I'm, I'm thinking that's probably $150,000 investment right down the drain. Mm. Flying everybody everywhere, the lost opportunity of the footage. And then immediately I'm furious because I'm saying, why is this not all in Dropbox? Right. Why was this not managed in a way, you know, and the why questions, I can answer why, because we're moving a million miles an hour and we hadn't ever had this happen before. Mm -hmm. And so nobody had even thought about it being a problem. And all that I said is, well, now we know. 
And what I want is I want to debrief from the team tomorrow as to what our new protocol is so that this never happens again. Nice. Because I know that they didn't do it on purpose. And I also know that given that they hadn't told me, facing my disappointment and the possibility of getting in trouble was more terrifying than losing the footage itself. Mm-hmm. So, you know, not yelling at people and making sure that, you know, as a leader, I'm not just talking, I'm teaching. Right. I'm not just telling people what to do. I'm showing them through my own behavior. By your example. Yes. Yes. Very and difficult. It is very difficult every single day. And it's what many of us have to do every day. So I love this. I mean, it's not what I expected to hear, actually. And very refreshing. We've got to what watch our tone. To I expected to hear the typical success strategies of, well, I get up and I do this amount of movement every day. And well, then I make sure that, you know, I eat 17 servings of greens in my first. Do you think people actually do that? <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> I, have, I have a morning routine that I get done four days a week in terms of the all five things that I do. And the mornings that I do it, there's no doubt that I'm much more successful those days and in control. The one thing that's non-negotiable for me is I don't ever look at my phone until I've sort of thought through the big thing I want to focus on today. Amen. And I'm maniacal about that. But I think that it's both this kind of stuff that people peddle, that you could be that much of a robot. I mean, come on. No. Your families, stuff happens. You wake up in a crappy mood and you don't want to go to yoga, you're stressed out, like stuff is going to happen. Yep. And so I think managing the bigger things about who you are as a person. Your character. Yes, routines are important. Yes, but your character, your values and how you treat other people, that is what will take you the distance. Boom. Period. Yes. Love this. And I love that you said you win the week by doing it four days a week. It's not oh. every day. It's not robotic. Let's be real here. And let's do our best with what's in front of us. Yes. And, you know, there are plenty of days that start off like a train wreck on fire. (laughs) And we've got this cat that he has figured out that if he goes outside of our window on the first floor of our bedroom and sits out there. And I've tried the ignoring thing. Uh But this cat has taught himself because I made the mistake one night. He was 17 minutes in to meowing outside of our window. No. And Chris is like, ignore him, ignore him, ignore him, ignore him, ignore him. And I'm like, and I'm watching the clock because the thing is yelling loud because he's like, I know your ass is in there. You know, wait, I'm waking you up. They're smart. And so, you know what happened? I trained him that if he stands outside that window for 17 minutes, I will then get up. So every night he comes to the window. And so now I get up at the first meow. I'm like, there is that you know, cat. And so then I let him. And of course, he was my rescue cat. So I can't be complaining about him. And nope. if I keep him in the house, he then meows outside our bedroom door to be let out. So anyway, whatever. He's So on the mornings that it's treacherous with Mr. Noodle, <laughs> Mr. I, Noodle, I like not happy in the morning. That's life. Right. I'm not going to remember to eat 17 grams of something <laughs> in my protein shake and then do five push-ups in 17 minutes of meditation. No, it's not happening. But I can remember to not look at my phone. Yes. And I can remember to plan out the thing that I'm going to focus on for me. The most important thing for you. Yes. And then I can do life. Amen. I love this. So let's wrap this up. I know you got to go. So I've got one question 
that I just want to end with and then a few rapid fire quick ones just to get to know you a little bit better. So if someone's listening right now and they're terribly stuck, what is the number one thing you would tell them to do? Well, selfishly, I would tell them that you need to go to our social media channels because every single day what I do on social media is put out content all day long that speaks directly to you and gives you the push, the encouragement, the cheering, the laugh at yourself that we all need every single day to keep showing up. And it's free and we're not selling anything and you'll be joining 20 million people a month who are benefiting from it, including Kobe Bryant, who is following me and all right. other NBA folks. Because It's good stuff. It's good stuff. And we put a ton of time and energy into thinking about what would serve you, depending upon the time of week. Lots of videos, probably five or six new ones every single week. So that would be the number one thing. The second thing that I would say is listen to whatever your coach at Buffini is telling you to do. <laughs> nice. There you go. Love it. All right. And the social media stuff is fabulous. It's always like, has she been sitting over my shoulder? Mel, has she been sitting there with this topic? Well, you know, I'm writing it to me. Yep. That's the secret. Yep. And I'm going through the same stuff you are. We all are. Every day. I love it. So quick rapid fire questions. Best piece of advice yep. you've ever gotten? Don't take the bait. That's from my brother. Do you want to hear the story? My brother. (laughs) Yeah, you want to tell me the story? I said to my brother, why do you never fight with mom? And he looked at me and he said, for somebody so smart, I can't believe how dumb you are. (laughs) And I said, what are you talking about? He said, I don't take the bait. He's like, when mom's upset about something and she's getting all passive or angry or complaining, and she starts, like, emitting that energy, Mm. he's like, it's like a skunk. I can smell it before I see it. I leave the room. He's like, you, you like go marching towards it. Next thing you know, you take the bait and you get sprayed. Like, don't take the bait. And I'm like, you're right. What's your brother's name? Derek. Derek. He's a genius. Oh, he's wise. Don't take the bait. I'm going to use that one today. I promise you. All right. Fabulous. Thanks, Derek. What one talent or gift do you wish you possessed that you currently don't? Two. I wish I could sing. Mm. and play the guitar, and I wish I was good at with foreign languages. I, I'm trying to become fluent in Spanish, but first I better learn how to conjugate a verb. Yeah. Oh, I know. Oh, it's tough. I love it. Singing and guitar and Spanish. So we might see that on stage yep. sometime soon. Brilliant. Uh, doubtful. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, keep working at it, Mel. What book has been the most instrumental in your life? There's a book called The Book of Awakening which sits by my bedside, and it's a year of daily essays written by Mark Nero Mm. after he had a very life-threatening bout with cancer. And so it's just sort of a very spiritual reflection on daily life written in short essays, and I read it almost every morning. And probably what's truly important when you're facing something like that. Very centering. Mm. Great. Favorite song? My favorite song right now, hold on, I have to pull up Spotify. <laughs> I got to get to my playlist. Yeah, hold thanks for those second. playlists, too. You post them sometimes. They're helpful. They're fun, right? Yeah, they're a lot I of fun. I love music. Okay, so my favorite song right now is the Weekend Funk Wave remix. I mean, I love all kinds of music, but I'm a big, like, I don't know, dance funk kind of. I love Bruno Mars. Yeah. I also love Bruce Springsteen. So It's a nice mix. My daughters have been playing this. We took a trip to celebrate my parents' 50th wedding anniversary 
to Iceland this year, and they played this song like on repeat. So I feel like it's pulsing through my brains at the moment. Well, and I know that dance parties is something you, your family has always enjoyed, right? Dance parties yes. at home. <laughs> yes. They're always so fun, yes. especially when Bruno is invited. It started off as a way to get our kids to actually help with the dishes. You crank the music, and it's surprising what happens. Oh, yes. And it just sort of spiraled from there. That morphed from there. All right, one more. What movie do you watch over and over? Oh, I don't have one that I watch over and over. No. No, I don't. I watched Caddyshack a million Caddyshack times. Caddyshack rocks. I used to know, like, all the lines. <laughs> And right now I'm rewatching Game of Thrones for the third time because I'm trying to get my husband into it, which he now is. But he's a convert. Harry Potter, we've seen like almost every single one of those a million times. Mm-hmm. The Lord of the Rings trilogy, of course, that we've seen a lot. Yeah, awesome. So you do that as a family, of course. Yeah. Wow. Anything else you want our audience to know today, Mel? I'm now thinking I should have gone to yoga. I mean. I- <laughs> <laughs> That is the perfect way to end this podcast today. Well, I, I literally, I literally was like, anything you want to know, I said, well, the first thing that came to mind is I'm tired. And then I thought, they don't want to hear that. And then I thought, I wonder if I'd gone to yoga, if I'd feel a little bit more energized. And oh, then I thought, probably. Yeah, probably. Well, oh, you know, and God. I love that you're so real and open and sharing those struggles because we all have them every single day. And it's what we choose to do with them and how we think about them, how you've shared with us today, and then take action on it makes all the difference. Totally. Makes all the difference. I want to thank you so much for joining us today. I know you're super busy. We appreciate your time, your energy, your great information. And I know this isn't the last time we're going to see each other. We're looking forward to seeing you again. You're coming to another Buffini and Company event in the future. I can't wait to talk with you more. And learn from you from afar in the meantime, because you've got so much great stuff out there for all of us. Awesome. Thank you, Mel. Thank you. My pleasure. Have a fabulous day. Maybe yoga tomorrow. And just keep rocking. Doubtful. Very doubtful (laughs) that I'm getting to yoga tomorrow. Because I'm waking up in a hotel room in Nashville, so probably not going to motivate to yoga. It'll be the burpees, though, in your hotel room. I'm with you. Oh, God. I'm with you. No. (laughs) I hate those. Well, go have a great show. I know you're going to bless them. Thank you, hon. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Thanks, Jamie. Mel, again, so glad to have you on the show. There were so many great lessons packed into today's episode. We're looking forward to having Mel at our Elite Conference, The Peak Experience, coming up soon. If you'd like to learn more about that or reserve a spot, visit buffiniandcompany.com slash T-P-E. buffiniandcompany.com slash T-P-E. And until next time, I'll leave you with an Irish blessing from Brian's mum, Therese. May the road rise up to meet you, and may the wind always be at your back. May the rain fall soft upon your fields, and the sun shine warm upon your face. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the hollow of his hand. See you next time. (laughs) 